Hello and welcome to The Last Tranche. As we record, the CLO market appears to have weathered its third first quarter surprise of the decade. The banking crisis that began with the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank caused sustained volatility through March, but the leverage loan index is currently higher than at any point in Q1 and CLO primary issuance has begun again in earnest. So are we out of the woods or are there more surprises waiting in store? Here to discuss all this and more, I'm joined by Robert Zabel, Global Head of Blackstone's Liquid Credit Strategy. Rob, good morning. Good morning. Thank you. So first of all, is the financial sector in general, but the CLO market specifically through the worst of this crisis? Yeah, I think that it was this crisis, as you put it, or, or volatility was, was really interesting for the CLO market and the loan market. And I think we should think about it in two ways, both what was the impact on the asset side, so the loan market, but also what was the impact on liabilities for the CLO market. In the loan market, you know, we really didn't see much of an impact. Um, fundamentally, nothing is different. And then technically, it really comes down to who is, who is selling or who is buying. And we really didn't see a lot of selling pressure coming out of retail. And of course, CLOs are never for sellers. And so then really, maybe the, the attention gets turned to liabilities and what was or is the impact of that volatility on the liability market. And I think that's twofold. First is, what did we actually see during that period of volatility? And did we see that impact on liabilities? And we really didn't. I think everyone was looking at regional banks as perhaps being sellers of AAAs. And the reality is that they're not really large holders of AAAs, and we didn't see that selling pressure as we had seen before coming out of LDI, for example. The other impact, which is a bit of a question mark, and, and I don't have my crystal ball with me today, which is what is the longer term impact on, for example, the AAA market based on this volatility? And so if you think about the impact of this regional banking volatility, uh, what the impact was, was that consumers move their deposits from regional banks to larger banks. And now those larger banks are sitting on those deposits and those larger banks um, have historically been large participants in the AAA market. And so the question is, do those deposits manifest themselves as increased buying appetite by those big banks? And does that have an impact in the CLO market going forward? Again, I didn't bring my crystal ball with me, but that is something that we're looking at very closely. Yes, that's interesting. Initial reaction uh, that I had speaking to people at the time was they were saying AAAs are probably going to be wider. It's an interesting point that that really that situation seems to have have flipped. Is that what you're hearing from from the uh, from the investor base in the CLO market, I think so for sure. The sentiment around around those weeks or the concern around those weeks has dissipated. But I think going back to just looking at the technicals, who are the big buyers and what has been the impact of those buyers? We really haven't seen any real impact coming out of, for example, a large buyers in Asia are are still there and very focused on on the market with renewed budgets. And then, of course, is the dynamic that I just mentioned, which we haven't yet seen filter through to the market. But does that ultimately put pressure on on AAA spreads, which actually might be a very good thing for CLO creation? So talk me through uh, your experience with the events in March. I mean, from the CLO manager's perspective, because you said that the impact on the CLO asset side, as far as the leverage loan market is concerned, was limited. When you were sort of carrying out the portfolio analysis in the wake of SBV, 
were there any sort of risks that you were looking at? Any particular, you know, segments of the loan market that was a concern before we really had time to work through as a market um, what the impact was? I think looking through and piercing through to the portfolios themselves and the underlying fundamental risk, the banking sector as a whole is, is not really a, um, an issuer in, in the leveraged loan market. So when we look through the direct exposure to our portfolios, it really, there really wasn't a lot of direct exposure, not just for our portfolios, but I think broadly speaking for the index. Um, and then it becomes more a question of, you know, is there technical pressure that we can take advantage of? If we think these, the strongest companies are getting sold at a discount, can we take advantage of that? Unfortunately, the reality is there wasn't a lot of selling pressure um, and there weren't big discounts at that time. And whatever discounts there were pretty quickly evaporated as managers were, were looking to take advantage of it. So another question that this period raises is whether the higher interest rate environment is posing risk to the health of the economy more broadly. In, in light of the latest inflation data, do you think we're likely to see a more dovish approach from the Fed and what would the impact be on the CLA market? Yeah, I think, you know, for sure we have, and I'm sure every manager is running their sensitivity models around different so far base rate assumptions and what is the impact on, on interest coverage. I thought it was pretty interesting. JP Morgan published their Q4 fundamental analysis of issuers in the loan and high yield uh, market. And the interest coverage there was approximately six times across all of those issuers, so near near record highs. So the starting point for these companies is pretty healthy coverage. Of course, mathematically, as base rates go up, the, that interest coverage is going to be impacted. When we look at our companies, for those companies that are performing well and generating cash flows, we don't think that they're there's going to be a meaningful impact for those companies, however, that are performing already not performing well or having issues. We think that increase in base rate will result in more more headwinds for sure for those companies. So as a manager, we have to be really careful around risk assets. Fed is trying to slow things down. Um, that will happen. I think the you know the impact for managers again. We should all be very focused on the companies that are already having issues, the, the tail risk of our portfolio. But I think that the vast majority of, of the issuers that are performing well and generating cash flow already will be fine. So just to go back to the, my introduction, do you think the market is out of the woods in terms of getting past these uh, financial stresses coming, I mean, in this case, from the banking sector, but perhaps from the economy more, more broadly, or are there... Are there are there likely to be more surprises, do you think? I guess we're never surprised when we see surprises. And um, I think anytime we're going through a period where we're exercising muscles in, in terms of um, rates that um, we haven't seen at these levels for a long time, there, there will for sure be surprises. I have no idea what the surprises will be because there'll be surprises. But I think your question is, are we out of the woods? And again, I think our perspective is that the vast majority of these of these companies are healthy and performing with strong cash flows, with record high coverage. I think that coverage gets eroded, as we just talked about mathematically, it has to be. And I think over the course of the year, and we agree with, with JP Morgan research that had forecasted a slight uptick in default rates. So default rate now for the market, which is around 2%. 
JP Morgan is forecasting a three and a half percent default rate, which is slightly over the long-term average. And we don't, we don't disagree with that analysis. So again, you know, my comment around risks and, and are we out of the woods, I think we all have to just be really focused on tails of our portfolios. I think that it's not unreasonable in a slowing uh, macro backdrop that some of these troubled companies are going to be pushed over into defaults. And, and you know, if we, we go from a sub long-term average default rate of 2% compared to a 3% long-term average to 3.5%, we wouldn't be surprised. And of course, managers that are active should have far fewer defaults in their, their portfolios. So how are you assessing the CLO market opportunity more broadly? And specifically, do you consider now to be a good time to be issuing CLOs? Sure. So I think for us, this, and, and I would say the same for, for so far this year, this is a good time to make sure that we have warehousing and facilities open to capture volatilities. You asked the question about surprises, and I have no idea what, what the surprises will be. But I know in these this market environment, we will, we will see more periods of volatility. I think if we wait around to issue or capture um, set up warehouses in that volatility, it would be too late. So I think it's prudent for managers to, you know, essentially be ready and set up to capture assets that are coming out at cheap levels and then securitize those when, when it makes sense. And we think that this is the right environment to be set up to do that. That's interesting. Uh, do, you th- do you get the sense that there's a lot of warehouses that are open now with a lot of managers taking a similar view that we need to be ready for whatever comes? I think there were a number of warehouses that were open in the fourth quarter of last year. And I think a lot of the issuance that we saw in the first quarter of this year was the conversion of those warehouses. My sense is that banks, just given the market backdrop, are increasingly focused on the quality or the of, of the manager and the issuer that, that they're opening warehouses for. Um, and I think that we are seeing in that regard a tiering of um, tier one, tier two uh, managers and their availability to to that type of financing. So I think that it's open. I think the banks have been very careful, just like they've been very careful um, in underwriting new loans in this market backdrop. They're also very careful in terms of uh, opening up new warehouses for, for managers. That's an interesting point because we hear a lot about the tiering of managers coming from the the debt investor community and a bit less about the tiering of managers coming from the arranging bank community. Could you speak a bit more about that? Because I'm so interested to hear how, how would a how would an arranging bank sort of consider the opportunity between a tier one and a tier two or three manager? Sure. I think that they have to consider the ability of that manager to successfully execute a securitization, not just in good markets when all managers can come to the market and find a home, but in, in choppy choppy markets. And we don't know whether in a month from now the market will be calm or choppy. And I think banks that are opening up warehouses for new managers, they have to take a long-term view. And I think in that that lens, the analysis is do we think that this manager will have good debt receptivity? Do we think that we can be successful in executing a securitization in all markets? And I think that that, that does separate some of the long-term you know, performers versus some of the newer, smaller entrants. 
Speaking of newer, smaller engines, obviously the smaller firms, perhaps are some of the ones that are more likely to have a limited ability to access the the debt market. There's been a lot of talk of consolidation in the CLO space and uh, quite a large number of deals done recently, including Blackstone yourselves acquiring AIG's CLOs. What do you see as the trend? Will there be growth in the manager base or is the direction more towards consolidation in your view? I think that we're a firm believer that scale and size of platform and depth of platform are significant differentiators in manager performance. We think that there will continue to be consolidation because we think that the markets have continued to evolve even sourcing models of how managers are sourcing assets. Their importance to sponsors has continued to evolve. And I think that evolution has tended to favor the large large managers that have large um, not only syndicated businesses, but direct businesses as well. Um, so I think that is one important driver. And then, the, of course, the second piece of it is what we we talked about before, which is um, your ability to execute. And that's really just a function of your performance. Has your performance been strong? I think, again, when markets are, are calm, a rising tide can float all boats. When we see periods of volatility, as we saw during COVID, I think we saw real manager performance separation and I think that, you know, is is a function of scale, but it's a function of team and experience of team. So with the with the volatile periods that we've had um over the last couple of years, and they've they've like I said, there've been there've been several of them. Do you think that the way investors are thinking about tiering managers is changing? Is the thought process sort of evolving as the market conditions evolve? I think one important change, and I know that you in a prior podcast just talked about technology, but I think the the application of technology has has been really important in in our investors looking through to the portfolios and really looking through and understanding manager performance, which is a great thing and a healthy thing for the market. So I'm not sure if there's a changing view of tiering, but I think for sure technology has helped investors look through and really understand true performance of managers. Uh, by the by technology, you mean the technology that the investors themselves are using or the technology that the managers are using? And, and do you have a view of what the sort of optimal way of uh, sort of using technology is as a CLA manager? Um, yeah, great point. I, I was referring to the technology that our investors are using to really evaluate manager performance, but exactly as you said, I would also say that the technology that managers are using has evolved quite significantly in terms of how they're looking at their portfolios, how they're thinking about risk or monitoring risk or optimizing those portfolios. So let's talk about what the, the rest of the year is likely to have in store. So this will be the, the crystal ball moment, if, if you will. If we start with issuance, there was a bit of a pause around some of the banking issues that we had in March in terms of new CLOs, but that seems, uh, at least for now, to have uh, come to the end. CLOs are, CLOs are pricing again. What's your view on CLO issuance in the near term, but also for your forecast for 2023? I think that we are going to see an uptick in issuance. And the reason I say that is starting point is that I think fundamentals will be okay. Even if defaults tick up marginally, I think that by and large, large the market is healthy. I think the spread environment and yield environment on the asset side is, is very attractive. 
And so I think that that is an interesting opportunity on the asset side. And then on the liability side, so much of that cost of capital is driven by the AAA investor. And for some of the reasons that we just discussed around deposit flows, but also I think a more meaningful return of the, the Asian investor at the AAA level um, with renewed budgets, I do think that we'll see AAA compression. Um, and I also think we'll see compression across the stack for the same reason we talked about um, the loan market being attractive. I think if you look AAA on down to double B, I think that itself also looks pretty attractive. And I think that we'll continue to see a pretty broad investor base chasing those chasing those liabilities. And so I think that the arbitrage moves around all the time, as we know, but I think that the, the recipe for it looking pretty interesting will, will drive issuance going forward. It's an interesting point. I mean, we like I said, we do have deals coming again and on, in liability terms, it does seem to be a little bit wider, but not not significantly wider. I mean, um, it's interesting to hear your point that actually the, you think the trend is towards tighter liability spreads rather than, rather than wider. I think so. And, and really, again, just very, very focused on the AAA piece of that, which is such a large driver of the overall cost of capital and, and the interest that we're seeing and hearing from um, our investor base is, is pretty significant there. And finally, you said you expect defaults to remain fairly limited to 3.5% thereabouts. Be that as it may, is there any sort of sector within the, the leveraged loan universe, maybe sectors or uh, rating bands, anything that you are concerned about? I think not so much from a sector standpoint, but I think really looking at, as we were talking about before, the tail risk. So really focusing on those assets that are already trading at distressed levels. So the below $80 price component of the index or a manager's portfolio, I think it, particularly if you combine that with maturity profile of those assets, that's a pretty good look through to what we think might be default stress in the next 12 months. I'll cite JP Morgan again, we look at the index, um, I believe the number is about eight and a half percent of that is trading sub 80. And that historically has meant a forward default rate of about 3%. Well, it's certainly an interesting time and there's lots for managers and investors to think about. Robert Zabel, Global Head of Blackstone's Liquid Credit Strategy. Thank you so much for joining the last tranche today. Really appreciate it. Sure. Thanks.